their notes of their favorite scriptures, of the things that God had spoken to them and spoken to their ancestors. I never opened it. I never read through the whole thing. But I just knew it being there brought peace to me. You see, heaven and earth will both pass away. But God declares my word will remain. If we want to leave a lasting legacy, then we've got to raise up the standard that God has given us in this generation, in this hour, and this time. We must be declares of the word of God, knowers of the word of God, speakers of the word of God, and not be ashamed of it. So we must educate ourselves and the next generation. And number two, we need to equip. Because knowledge without the equipment is really just words. But Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is beyond a book of knowledge. It says, for the word of God is, everybody say it together, alive and it's powerful. There is power in the word. It is alive. If you've read through the Bible, especially if you decided to do it more than once, you will find yourself coming to a passage you have read over and over again that didn't mean anything to you at the time you read it before. But this time, right now, it jumps out of the page like a billboard in your face, and you know this is a right now word for my life. It's alive. It's powerful. When you look at the armor of God, in Ephesians chapter 6, there are seven pieces. The first five are for defense. They are, to they are to hold the ground that you've already taken. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes of peace, shield of faith. They hold the ground that you have taken. But then there's two offensive weapons. And that is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And praying in the spirit without ceasing. And I believe that when you couple those two together, you could take new ground that you could have never imagined you'd be able to take. You could start a new business that you felt like might have just been a pipe dream, but really it was a revelation from God that he's given you. You can literally see the love of your life become the mate of your life. Whatever it is. Look at it says, it is sharper. The word of God, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. This starts to become the uncomfortable part for all of us, is when you read the word of God, it's like a mirror, and you begin to see things in your life that can be better. It divides the soul from the spirit. Remember what the soul and the spirit are. The spirit, the Bible often refers to as our heart. It is our inner person. It is the one that relates directly to God. And our soul is our mind, will, emotions, how we think, how we feel, and what we desire. And when you read the word of God, it splits your spirit that communicates directly with God. And it makes you look at your soul as a mirror. And then you have to reconcile some things. Oh, I may feel a certain way about something, but God's word says. I may desire to do something stupid, but God's word says. I may have some stinking thinking happening right now, but God's word says. 
I may want to get even with somebody that's done me wrong, but God's word says. I may want to curse my enemies, but God's word says. Do you see? It's beautiful. It's a surgical tool. And it helps us not to be a carnal Christian, a soul-led Christian where we are being led by our feelings or our desires or our thoughts. Because we all know this, your thoughts are going to change. Your feelings are definitely, they are like the stock market, they are going to change. And your desires, they'll change also. But his word, it never changes. It is the standard that God has given us to live by. It is the way that we build a true legacy that lasts for not just right now with us and those that are around us, but for the generations to come. We remove God out of our school systems. We remove God out of our sporting events. We remove God out of all of this. And then we sit around and wonder why we're in the position that we're in. You cannot kick God out. He's a perfect gentleman. He will not force himself back in. You cannot kick him out and then wonder why the nation's going down the toilet. And you can also not sit around and complain about the direction that the nation is heading. It's your turn to do something about it. And you could feel like it's overwhelming, but you could start with your. You can start with you. You can start with your family. You can get that family Bible. Highlight your favorite scripture. Have your children highlight their favorite scriptures. And then in the morning and at night, meditate on the word of the Lord and declare the word of the Lord over your life and your family. Because the truth is, we either believe this or we don't. And if we don't, then why are we here? And if we do believe it, then let's actually do it and see what will happen in our lives. I can tell you, since the time that I gave my life to Jesus... I've said the same prayer over my daughter. Now I say it over my grandsons. I say, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that Candace will never know one single day without you. That she will serve you. She will walk with you. She will be in relationship with you all the days of her life. That you will guard her. That you will protect her. That you will camp mighty warring angels around her. And that every purpose that you have placed within her will come to pass. In the name of Jesus. Life's not been perfect. Life's been hard. She has faced trials. She has faced failures. But she's still standing. And I can tell you today, she's never known one day without Jesus. Not one. And I believe the same for my grandsons, but that has to be intentional. That has to be intentional. Every morning before my daughter went to school, she would find me every single day sitting in the same exact place at the kitchen table with my Bible open. Never a you must come sit and learn, but an invitation, hey baby, do you want to come read with me? And there was days she sat there and she looked like she'd rather be anywhere else in the world. And I can get all up in my feelings. You don't know the cost of this oil. Or, I could just love her through those moments 
keep declaring the word of God over life and trust in the Lord that those that you raise up in the righteous ways of the Lord, when they are older, they will walk in those ways. We must equip ourselves, equip our families, and equip the next generation with the most powerful tool that God has given us, and that is the Word of God. It is alive, and it is powerful. You ready for the last one? So we educate, we equip, and the last one is we empower. And this is where we switch from having a form of godliness and denying the power within to having a form of godliness and exalting the power within. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, the scripture says, You show that you are Christ's letter. You are the letter of Jesus, delivered by us, not written with ink, but written with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but instead on the tablets of the human hearts. What is God saying? That he is taking the flaming finger of the Holy Spirit and he is continuously writing his will, his purpose, his declaration onto the tablet of your heart. That you, family are the living word of God. As much as the written word of God is the living word of God, you yourself are the epistle of Christ. This is why the book of Acts has no ending. It is the only book in the entire New Testament that does not have a conclusion. And I believe with all my heart that God did not put a conclusion in it because we are to continue it on. That we are to live the book of Acts. We are to be the book of Acts. That every church that he births is meant to be a next generation of the book of Acts church. So you are not washed up. You are not discarded trash. You are not too broken. And you have not done too much for God still to use your life. You see, God is not a God of second chances. God is a God of another chance. And all that we ever have to do is believe and receive his word. That you are the head and not the tail. That you will be the first and not the last. That you are kings and priests set in the kingdom of the living God. That you are sons and daughters of the most high God. That you are a prince, a princess in the court of the living God. This is who you are. You are the letter of Jesus. You are the fleshly tablet that the Holy Spirit continues to write. And it's up to each and every one of us to continue to do this. And I shared this with our men's night on Friday night. There's times where I get a little bit weird in my own self. And I start to not like somehow things that God has graced me to be good at. And there's a few things that I don't like that the Marine Corps gave me the opportunity to do too many times. I don't like camping. I don't like running. And I don't like traveling. And when I travel, because I don't like it, I usually try to tune the entire world out. I put headphones in. I wear a hat really low. Right now we got face masks, so I look like a bandit. 
And I just try to keep my head down, keep quiet, and hurry and get to wherever I'm getting. But God often blows up my little plan. And he often likes to remind me that I do not belong to myself any longer. That I belong to him. And I just was reminded of that traveling this past week. I was going out to see my pastor and just sit and learn and get educated, empowered, equipped. And on my way out there, I flew into Atlanta. And when I landed in Atlanta, I walked up to the counter. And when I walked up to the counter, there was a gentleman, an older gentleman, well, a, a gentleman in a more mature season of life than I am. And he was sitting in one of those chairs that they help you get gate to gate with. And I wasn't sure if, if he was in line or not, so I just asked him, sir, are you in line? And he said, no, 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 I'm not in line, I'm just sitting here. So I stepped up and had to get my seat number on my ticket, and I got it, and I turned around. And he said this when I was walking up, the, he goes, and by the way, for a pretty gal like you, I'd let you go ahead anyway. And I turned around and just smiled at him. And when I turned back around from getting my ticket, this man said, he said, I used to look like you. I said, you did? He said, yeah, I don't anymore. I said, well, you want to know something? He said, what? I said, one day I'm going to look like you. So we're even. It's life. It happens. And he said, I see you're the Marine Corps. I said, I, I was. He said, well, my father was a Marine. My uncle was a Marine. And he starts telling me about the wars that they were in and the different things that were happening. And he just looked at me and he said, there's something about you. What do you do now? I said, well, I pastor a church now. He said, no. Really? I get that a lot, yeah. He said, well, you don't look like a pastor. I said, well, thank you. He said, what kind of church you pastor? A Jesus church. It's not some weird cult bodybuilding church. It's a Jesus church. And he said, this is, I need to know how this happened. How does one go from being a Marine to being, how does that even happen? I said, well, it's a long story. We're about the board. I'll give you the 30-second version. I gave him the 30-second version of my daughter being bit by a rattlesnake, Jesus appearing to me, promising me to heal my daughter and use my life. And tears flooded him's eyes. And his hands started visibly shaking. And he said to me, I need to know more. You got a longer version? I said, I do. I got a few different versions. I'll give you the two-minute one now. And I gave him the two-minute one, and for some reason, I went into the medical background of it. I don't even know why I did this, but I felt led to share some very specific details about everything that was going on, and now tears are streaming down his face. And he says to me, I know you're not lying. I said, I know I'm not either. He said, no, you don't understand. I'm, at one point, I was one of the top surgeons in America. And I know that everything you just said in the terminology you just used, I know what a rattlesnake bite does. And I know that this is real. You have no idea how bad I needed to hear this. I just fell and broke my wrist. And I'm not certain I'll ever be able to perform a surgery again. And I'm having a really hard time with it. And there's a lot on the line. And he said, I just, I needed to hear this today. I needed 
hear something today. And I said, well, it doesn't have to be like that. The same Jesus that healed my daughter can heal you. If you're willing to let him into your heart, heaven, can I pray with you? Couldn't get words out. Just weeping. Nodded his head, yes. I got down on a knee and I prayed the salvation prayer with him. And then I declared healing over his life. And when I got done, my, my seat was boarding and I told him, him, I'll see you on the plane if we get a chance. I gotta go grab my seat. And when I go to walk down the, the little hallway to get there, there's three men standing all separate from one another, tears all coming down their face. And they said, we couldn't help but overhear what God did in your life. And we want you to know we prayed that prayer with you. So four men give their lives to Jesus. All because I hate to travel. And God loves to make me uncomfortable. We have a legacy. Let's share it. Let's share it. Let's declare it. Let's educate ourselves and the next generation. Let's equip ourselves and our family for this time that we live in. And let's empower each and every one to understand that you are not just a human being here on this earth sucking air waiting to die, but you have a purpose that is greater than your imagination. God will, and he can, and he's going to, if you're willing to use your life to make a difference in the lives of others. Do you believe it? Can we give Jesus one big thank you for his word?